Outdoor Wire's Weekend Edition. I'm Jim Shepard, and this is a weekly podcast designed to keep you up with what's going on in the outdoors. Every weekend, we'll quickly recap some of the big news of the week and take a look at what's ahead. We'll also bring you some information you can use and lots of fun stuff along the way. In the week behind us, we've survived nearly a month of a government shutdown, and in Washington, it looks like the gloves are still off between President Trump and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. After Ms. Pelosi disinvited the President to Capitol Hill for the State of the Union address, there wasn't much doubt that the President was beyond irritated. In response... Mr. Trump, who controls the discretionary use of military planes by members of Congress, waited till the last second, like the bus was already out front, to notify Speaker Pelosi that due to the shutdown of the government, he was canceling her trip to visit the response was immediate, and it was childish by both sides, but there's no doubt there's not much any deal in sight anytime soon. So why is this important? Well, in the outdoors, the most obvious right now is the danger to our national parks and our public land. No park service rangers on the job, and we're already hearing reports of poaching in the West and trash piling up in sensitive areas. There's not much we can do about it, although the volunteer groups from the Cascades to Kentucky's Mammoth Cave National Park are working hard to try and protect our national treasures as much as they can. Then there's the continuing problem of illegal drugs that are pouring through our public lands and being grown there as well. And without the National Park Service, the ATF, and other agencies, including the Bureau of Indian Affairs Security on Tribal Lands, the damage that's being done, we can't even imagine at this point. That's the really high-level view of what's happening. And I personally could use a little good news. So let's take a look at the big outdoor event that just wrapped up, the Archery Trade Association show in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the first big trade event every year, and lots of people say it sets the tone for the coming year, business-wise. All right, we're back, continuing on the weekend edition, and now it's time to do a little trend spot. Archery trade shows just wrapped up, and our Michelle Sherman was there, and we walked the aisles, and I, it was quite a show, wasn't it, Michelle? I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I mean, if you read my editorial on The Wire on Tuesday, January 15th, um, I think it came through how much I enjoyed myself. And I was only there two days, but I could have stayed, I could have definitely stayed another third day, the whole day, for sure. Yeah, it was a little hard to cover it because, first of all, it was a well-done show. I hadn't been in several years, and boy, I was impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the coloring, the layout, the my, was it my ATA area, my coffee? Right. Anyway, they had coffee, the coffee chats and the my ATA area. They had good coffee there, and then they had cookies. <laughs> yeah, I know. Co- good coffee and cookies. Are you sure this is a media area? Yeah. And, uh, you know, right. what, what, were, what were a couple of things you saw that impressed you? Well, the one thing that you and I immediately gravitated towards were the vast amounts of e-bikes. I had no idea that e-bikes were such a thing in the outdoor industry. Like, I knew fat tire bikes. Like that, those have been around for a while. People were using those backcountry hunting. 
but e-bikes, I mean, these things run like 2,500, 3,000 on up probably. Yeah, way on up. Yeah, you can get in nearly into $5,000 for a bicycle. I mean, that's, that's you know, nearly Olympic racing bike pricing. Yeah. But the difference. And it wasn't just one booth. I mean, how many booths? There was like Quiet Cat, Backcountry, Rambo. Uh, like yeah. And then two new companies in the new product section. And but the the difference about these bikes, the e-bikes and the and the fat tire bikes, I think it probably is uh, makes it so appealing to me is it's powered. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to pedal that big tire. You can uh, just hit the rheostat and that thing will take and they're fast. Crazy fast. Well, a lot of a lot of people were trying them out because they had like a demo area, which I thought was awesome. That ATA gave them this very large demo area, and people were just tootling around back there. Yeah, well, and <laughs> some of those people, me included, slipped around and and kind of went outside that area, and uh, they're nimble. And but people will get out of your way when you're riding a big bike at twenty well, yeah. miles an hour. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean. I, there were people there who uh, were like us. They'd never seen them before and were just blown away by it. Well, and think of think of this. So it's like a new market. And then think of the accessories. Now we have a new market of accessories that you can sell to the consumer for these e-bikes. You got your phone holder. And, and one was hauling a tree stand. They had a tree stand hauler for their e-bike. And, and that tree stand hauler, by the way, which I was intrigued by, is also a kayak hauler. Oh, is that the deal? You can oh, set a awesome. kayak in it as well, and then you've got the uh, you've got the little cart that goes on the back that has the six spaces yeah. for surf rods and the the space for a cooler and everything. I mean, it's a, it's a whole new area, and and where I think it's going to be applicable is for the young people who want to get into the sports but can't don't have a space for an ATV or the money or don't want to go into buying a, a Jeep or a four-wheel drive, a bicycle right. makes perfect sense, an e-bike. I think you're going to see you and I talk about this more in our respective wires. I'm, yeah, I think so. Well, well, let's move on. What are some of the other things mm-hmm. that, that, that impressed you? Well, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the Innovation Center which is where ATA kind of highlights those young upcoming products and entrepreneurs. And that is what struck me this year was that you can go in this innovation center and you can talk to these entrepreneurial young men and women and you're trying their product. Like one of them was an instant coffee. And I said to him, like, when did you start this? He's like, last June. I'm like, Oh, and here you are. At the ATA show, you know, see <laughs> yeah. a little sick. And he's like, my friends like it. I like it. Do you like it? I'm like, well, I was a little, I'm like, I'm a Starbucks girl, so I'm not, I'm probably not the market for instant coffee. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of a coffee snob, and yet yeah. it, it wasn't bad. Yeah. You know, it was, you could, like, you could smell, like, I could smell chocolate, and, and like, there's a very nuttiness to it. Like it was, it was very unique, but more power to him for start. Like what industry can you still be a young entrepreneur, start a company and six months later, be at a trade show and talking to media from all across the country and potential buyers, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a big deal to be able to go out there and chase it. And archery is still, you know, that kind of a business where you can be an entrepreneur. 
So what are some of the things we're going to be talking about in, in the months ahead? Well, I was impressed with Pelican at the show, showcasing their bow cases they just come out with. Right. And they're not that bad as far as pricing. They, um, they're around like $400. That's not bad. No. For now, a bow case from Pelican? No. It's not bad, especially when you, but, you know, somebody says, why in the world would I want to spend that kind of money? Well, that's somebody like me who doesn't understand that you can spend $3,000 on a bow and arrows are, you know, right. 250 to $500 a dozen. Right. Yeah, I'm taking care of my equipment. You take care of your I equipment. I think I learned. You. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it back around full circle for you, Jim, because I think I learned my lesson in the golf industry. When I bought cheap golf club carriers and put them on a plane, yeah. Yeah. You need to spend four to $500 for golf club carriers if you have $2,000 worth of golf clubs in there, and you need to do that for your boat. <laughs> well, uh, you know, <laughs> you buy a $100 crash helmet if you have a $50 head. <laughs> you know, I, I have ridden a lot of cheap equipment, but I have always had on right. a very expensive helmet. Right. Yeah, 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 it's exactly right. I think you're right about bringing it around full circle. There is nothing, <laughs> wor- nothing worse than getting a piece of equipment in a folded, spindled, and mutilated case. Yeah. Yeah. Wheels broke off. Yeah. Yeah, that I don't know how many times I've done that. Finally learned my lesson. But, um, and you and I talked to this gentleman, Stand Guard, which I think he might need to change right, his company name. Right, right. When I say that, you have no, no one has any idea what I'm talking about. But it's this, I don't even know how, it's so hard to describe it, too. Can it's you a dummy it in a tree stand. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's yeah, not it's a, a dummy. Camouflage. It's a, let's just say it's a humanoid form. Yeah, <laughs> that you suspend from a tree stand. And you and I were talking, and he had, I mean, kudos to him, number one, for grabbing us from the aisle and saying, hey, let me show you this product. Because otherwise we would have kept going. Uh, yeah. So I don't know how many times that happened to me where I was kind of standing there and like the person was sitting behind the table and looking at their phone or just staring at the ceiling or something. So he, being an entrepreneur, understood the value of being at that show. So kudos to him for that. But he, he did have to demonstrate it to us. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't have gotten it. <laughs> yeah, he, he was good enough that, that I plugged him in my one of my columns because I appreciated yeah. the get-up-and-go that he showed. Well, Michelle, yep. we're, we're moving on here with the uh, weekend edition. Thanks for being with us. You'll be back on a regular basis, so uh, we don't have to say thanks. I hope back so. Sometime. Well, me too. And because if you're not doing it, I have to, and I like to spread the wealth. We'll be back in just a minute. Because it's the week of the shooting, hunting, and outdoor trade show in Las Vegas. If you're into the outdoors and the latest and greatest gear for hunting or whatever sport you enjoy, it's the ultimate event. Hundreds of manufacturers, thousands of outdoor industry insiders, and 
closing in on a million square feet of exhibition space. And it's growing so big that next year, the SHOT Show will move into two exhibition halls in Las Vegas, and there are still hundreds of companies on the waiting list for 2022 when it will spread across to the Sands, the Caesars, and the MGM Grand Exhibition Halls. That's a lot of coverage. And it's not open to the general public because many of the products haven't been seen anywhere outside of the companies. But don't you worry. The Outdoor Wire and all of our folks are there to keep up with what's going on. And next week, the Outdoor uh, Wire's weekend edition will have the inside scoop of what's creating the buzz. This week, we're looking at what we're likely to be seeing. All right, we're back on the weekend edition of the Outdoor Wire Digital Network. And we're getting ready for SHOT Show, the thing that everybody gets ready for but nobody's ever really ready for. And uh, the editors are getting us all ready to go. Rich Grassy, the tactical and shooting wire, is with us right now. And, Rich, uh, what are you looking for this this coming week? Well, I've... Basically, I'm looking not to come back with the SHOT Show crud. I think that's probably job one. <laughs> I think that's a noble goal for all of us, to come back healthy. But it, it, as far as products, I think what I'm seeing more of now goes along the lines with, with trends uh, in manufacturing. Stuff we've actually noticed for some time, but now with certain changes politically, um it's becoming more obvious, I think, probably to us. And uh, some of those things include the uh, the rush to the, uh, I don't know if you want to call it subcompact class handgun. We're talking about magazine capacities of 10 rounds and less, which seems to be uh, kind of a legislative imperative in a number of states, uh, to say nothing whatever of the federal government. So we're seeing some of that. Uh a lot of the people were seem to be at least got involved in the concealed carry movement was seemed to be uncomfortable carrying what I would consider to be service or compact service size handguns. So there's been a proliferation of, of smaller guns. Glock 43 X would be one of them. It's a Glock 43 that you can actually hang on to and it's comfortable to shoot. Um, Glock 43 is fine for a lot of people, but, it's that kind of thing, that 10-round maximum kind of window that, that we're looking at. Obviously, the new Mossberg that you wrote about, uh, their subcompact pistol, uh, which is uh, getting some uh, pretty good reviews out there, actually. Yeah, great little handgun. So we're looking at a lot of that. We're looking at a lot of workarounds. Um, we're seeing... Uh, Obviously, we had the uh, rifle caliber pistols, and that's been a long time in, in being developed. We're seeing more and more of those things come out from more and more manufacturers. A lot of them had been manufacturers of older lines, Springfield Armory, for one. Uh, we just saw a press release uh, here last week where they've increased their Saint line, which is their AR-15, but they also include their pistol version of that which is 
uh, pistol and regulation only. But we're seeing a lot of those kind of things. A new AR-15 non-pistol grip type situation that uh, somebody's come out with. So there are a lot of legislative workarounds. I remember back uh, after the 68 Gun Control Act, and Walter came out with the PPK slash F because the PPK did not meet import requirements. Guns and Ammo Magazine referred to that gun as the gun the bureaucrats built. We're seeing a lot of those. A lot of guns as the bureaucrats built. So look forward to a lot more of those. Obviously, the uh, the non-shotgun firearms that we're seeing, <laughs> those things continue to proliferate. So. The hand cannons. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're seeing workarounds and, and to – so it, it's a shame that innovation has to come from bureaucratic, ridiculous nonsense, but it is. That's what's going on. Yeah, well, how long before they decide that these guns are too small – and then we suddenly go back to the great big gun. You know, the cycle swings both ways. We've got too big, too little. And then we've got too many, not enough. You know, it's just, you know, the, the, the wheels on the bus go round and round. Exactly. But that's, uh, there are a lot of those kinds of things. Obviously, the uh, one of the big segments that, of course, I, I do the tactical wire as well as the shooting wire. On the tactical side, we're seeing a greater interest and i think it's probably a fair interest in uh, what the military calls tactical medicine or battlefield medicine trauma care battlefield trauma care those kind of things right that's starting to leak out in the concealed carry market seeing more and more options for carrying uh, tourniquets and yeah, uh, i saw one that uh, that's going to be at the show i'm looking forward to seeing that looks like an ankle holster for a trauma kit yeah, and actually, that's not the first one I've seen. That, that, that has been coming around for a long time, but as each iteration of these things comes out, they seem to get better and better. Yeah, there's a lot of things. And what about just the pure, fun toys? Anything out there? Well, and that's the thing about the shooting sports. We're all enthusiasts um, of one thing or another, or a number of segments of the shooting sports, uh, the six millimeter and 6.5 millimeter type rifles, great for long range games, great for hunting, a big part of the market. Uh, the ammo, uh, selection continues to get broader and broader number of guns and different types of guns chambered for six, five Creedmoor, six millimeter, uh, 6.5 PRC. We're seeing all those things come up. And actually, some government interest in purchasing some of those as well. So, uh, as, uh, but as far as just pure toys, it just depends on what you want. They're trying to take one toy away, and that would be the the bump fire. Which, yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone really thought of that as anything other than a range toy, and I don't think it would have existed in terms of a large number of purchases if it hadn't been for the Hughes Amendment to the nineteen. Right. 86 uh, Farms Owner Protection Act. So, but, it, but yeah, they were seeing a kind of a resurgence in revolvers. Some people consider those as being range toys. Other people consider them to be options for concealed carry. <laughs> consider them to people, be very good options for concealed yeah. carry. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a huge revolver fan and for hunting as well. It's, it's, sure. Uh, 
that has never gone away. And I think the revolver is we're going to continue to see those as long as we see 1911s, as long as we see AR-15s. We're going to see types of revolvers. Looks like Taurus is coming out with some interesting uh, new guns. Taurus uh, is opening a new plant. I'm, I'm hoping the best for them. I, I'm hoping that turns out well. Kimber, K6F, new gun. I actually shot one of those. Now, that's been out for a few years, but more and more of them are getting out there now. Yeah, and, that, uh, yeah, that gun I'm didn't sure get a lot of penetration. Better. Well, that and now the uh, Colt uh, King Cobra. They're right. uh, kind of updated Magnum carry with three-inch barrel. And that looks very interesting as well. So there's, uh, obviously, we have Ruger still. We still have Smith & Wesson. Those are good uh, good choices. The Ruger, uh, what Ruger's doing with their revolver line is just incredible as far as the range from hunting and, and, uh, and shooting on the range types of things all the way to, like, pretty much my constant carry backup is an LCRX. So uh, we're seeing they have, a, they have a broad collection. They have Doug Smith and Wesson, and I hope they keep going that way. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff out there. Well, looks like we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. So uh, get some rest. We will see you in a few days in Las Vegas, and then we will start the march. All right. Travel safely. All right. Rich Grassy, Tactical and Shooting Wire. And we will continue with more in a little break. Hang on. We'll be right back. You know, air rifles aren't what they used to be when I was a kid. There was the daisy with which you would shoot your eye out, and many of us nearly did, and that was about it. Well, it's gone a long way since then to the point that we even have an air gun wire that's dedicated to nothing but compressed air as a propellant air and springs and those sorts of things for the for the air gun. And our air gun editor, Tom McHale, is on the line with us. Tom shot show this week what are you looking for well i am looking for strangely enough what last year's shot show enabled and the big news in 2018 uh, a year ago was was a change in the compressor market you know prior to that point uh, a home air gunner would have to look at spending 1200 or more uh, often up into the low 2000s to get a a quality air compressor you know if you didn't have that you were relegated to you know, driving to paintball centers and dive shops and trying to finagle compressed air, uh, which you'd, you know, that you'd have to put in a, a seven or $800 air cylinder. So uh, the big news last year from uh, Benjamin Crosman was their traveler compressor, which kind of uh, blew the doors off that market and brought compressors to all of us at about a $600 price point. So this year, 2019, I'd really love to see that uh, uh, that momentum continue. You know, a couple of other companies have, have jumped on board with the sub one thousand dollar compressors. Uh, Air Force has a good one. Uh, Air Venturi has a Nomad that's a similar price point to the Traveler. So I'm really hopeful to see more of that. 
Yeah. Now, a lot of people who aren't familiar with air gun and might say, $1,000 for an air compressor, why do I need that? Um, if you have the air compressor, you've pretty much solved your uh, ammunition problem pretty much forever, haven't you? Yeah, you have. It's uh, it's really a, a pay once approach rather than pay per round. You know, if you're mm-hmm. if you're coming from the, the centerfire world, uh, you're basically paying every round for instant air compression. You know, as a result right. of that chemical reaction <laughs> of uh, burning powder. That's a good way to put yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And in the air gun world, you're you're buying once for an infinite supply uh, for a few pennies of electricity of compressed air. So it's just a, a different way to look at it. You pay up front for that. Uh, for that charge uh, that you'd pay for on a per round basis in the center fire world. And when you say center fire, it's accurate to say center fire because uh, we're not talking BB gun speeds anymore. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, some of the stuff we've seen over the past 18 months has been the, the explosion in uh, big caliber air offerings. So I've been testing air guns here and, you know, 30 and 45 caliber that are launching 400 grain lead projectiles. I mean, that's a, that's a serious rifle. That that's point. a bullet. Any way you look at it, that's not a projectile. That is a bullet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I like to, I like to make an analogy and, and it's actually a pretty good one in terms of, of power and performance and uh, use applications that big bore air guns these days are very similar to black powder rifles, to modern black powder rifles, in terms of the size of projectile they launch and the velocity at which they do it. And everybody knows that that uh, those are serious guns, so that, that gives you a little perspective on it. Well, all things being equal, is there a one company you think we ought to keep an eye on? Uh, I know. I'm going to come back to... Uh, you know, if I stick with the, the compressor world, I'm going to come back to Velocity Outdoor, who's the, the parents of uh, Crosman Benjamin um, on that. They've kind of hinted that they're really shooting for, you know, a $200 price point at, at some time. And this isn't any kind of preview for this year's SHOT Show, but, but it's a goal. It's a long-term goal uh, of being able to provide compressed air for a couple hundred bucks. Um, so... I think they're dead serious about it, so that's that's one to keep an eye on on the on the compression front. Well, that would be a huge thing. Well, Tom McHale, we'll get together next week and see how close any of us were to uh, hitting the mark on this. We'll be back. Yeah, I'm look, looking forward to hearing the news. So <laughs> we'll all find out over the next uh, seven eight days. You got it. talk about the consumer side of the SHOT Show and what everybody's looking for, well, we have a specialist who looks at what the dealers and what the marketers look at, Paul Earhart, who edits the dealer wire with us, has extensive experience in the industry. And Paul, I'm a dealer. I'm going to SHOT Show. What the heck am I looking for? Well, I think this year at SHOT Show, Jim, the the big focus uh, coming off what was by many accounts, a slow sales year. 
Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. I think dealers are going to be looking for, first off, what's new, because uh, new sells, new oil sells. Uh, and so things like uh, the Mossberg, the new Mossberg MC1 pistol, uh, that's going to capture a lot of interest, particularly it feeds into the concealed carry market, which is the big driver of firearm sales uh, everywhere in the country. Uh, I think they're going to look, of course, at the, the Glock 48 and Glock 43X, the new models uh, recently announced. I believe they're going to be unveiled on the 21st, uh, Monday at SHOT Show. Right. And uh, there's going to be something, uh, you know, for the more competitive-minded shooters like the Walther uh, PPQ steel frame guns, uh, taking a, putting a steel frame lower onto a, what was a polymer frame gun. And so that's going to appeal to the handgun sellers and handguns are king in the, in the market, uh, and less susceptible to fluctuation, especially because concealed carry. So those are the, the new hot button items on the handgun side. And then look at, you know, new rifles, new shotguns, uh, new accessories and the like, uh, across the board. But from a, uh, and, there's consumer interest in that, so that's what they're going to focus on. But from the dealer perspective, they're also going to be looking for what is a good deal. Uh, so they're going to booze. They're placing orders for a year with distributors and, and directly with manufacturers. And so they're going to look for what gives them the most bang for their buck. They have a limited amount of money to spend at shows like this uh, for inventory for the year. So, you know, those companies doing a, you know, buy one, get one free or, you know, buy five, get one free, whatever it might be. That allows the dealer to turn higher margin on something they know they'll be able to move. That's going to get their attention and get their dollars. Yeah. Now, what about I'm a company at SHOT Show and play marketing director for a minute and I've got good product, but I don't have a brand new buzz product out there. What do I do to incent a dealer to to do business with me? Uh, There's a couple things that go into this. Uh, If your product is a consistent seller, uh, you're going to have to uh, compete against the new and other people's deals. So you know your product sells uh, at whatever its dealer cost is, but now because they have limited dollars and a more aggressive uh, discount taking place on a new product or an existing product, you have to compete at that level. Uh, And that might be, you know, new packages. Um, For instance, you know, I'm, you know, I'm packaging a scope with a rifle. I'm packaging a laser sight with a pistol, uh, those kinds of things. And that'll give a new spin on an existing legacy product uh, and create, you know, opportunity, you know, do some of that accessorizing at uh, the factory level that consumers are doing uh, on their own. Uh, and that'll give, you know, dealers something to sell different than what they've got, you know, a plain vanilla, you know, pistol in the gun cabinet at their store. Now they've got an upgraded model, uh, different finish, um, different sites, things like that. Uh, that will expand. Those would be, you know, simply line extensions. But, you know, if they can't go down that path per se, they're going to want to address uh, a little bit more aggressive pricing and opportunity uh, to make sure that dealer is continuing to stock and move their stuff at the retail level. And then the larger companies, uh, the much larger companies, 
they'll have different programs to expand beyond that with marketing assistance, uh, co-op assistance, things like that, that a higher level dealer that does a lot of marketing at their local region it's in there and, you know, with billboards and mailers and, and, uh, and the like, they'll be able to, you know, uh, offset some of their own marketing costs with dollars provided by, uh, those manufacturers that have that capability to help help sell through their product at the retail level. Yeah, so you're not just looking for product. You're looking for all of what I used to call the pull-through. I'm looking for you to help me no, move your product after I buy it. Yeah. Uh, now, there's one caveat to this that count, and that is a shift coming out of last year into a new year with a new Congress, and how does the political messaging out of Washington regarding gun control change consumer habits. We came off a year where things slowed down. Uh, people credit much of that to uh, an ease and a lack of concern about uh, legislation on the gun control side. And uh, that could change dramatically. Right. And that we won't know until it begins to happen. We've seen some inkling of it right now. Obviously, everything's focused on the shutdown itself, of the partial shutdown of the government. But that could change things dramatically, and the sales dynamic uh, becomes a lot more um, aggressive and demand increases. Uh, and so people are, you know, becomes easier, the pressure to sell, uh, make a sale of an existing product sitting in the retail environment is uh, less stringent because customers are flocking through the door. Sure. That could happen. We don't know that yet, um, and we have to wait and see. But dealers have to be planned either way. But, yes, they, you know, right now, uh, because that hasn't taken effect yet, they do have to think about how do I get existing products, you know, into the hands of customers, what will get them in the door, and purchasing. It's going to be price. It's going to be accessorization. Um, in some cases, it's going to be service, um, and it's going and how dealers manage that aspect of their business will de- can depend heavily on how they come in and out of Shot Show with their ordering and what deals they plan and work with uh, the large manufacturers that have that that more extensive support available for uh, driving consumer pull through. Now, see, folks, that's the kind of information you can't get normally because the dealer wire has that kind of information, and it's for dealers only. So it's another advantage of listening to the Outdoor Wire's Weekend Edition because when we go through the whip here with our editors, we we cover all kinds of topics. Paul Earhart, we'll talk in a week and see what we've done here. Hopefully we'll uh, have a little clarity in what's going on. We'll continue just a minute. Well, that's a wrap for this edition of our weekend edition. Now, if you want to keep up with the outdoors, the outdoor industry, and whatever's going on on a daily basis, here's a suggestion. Go to www.theoutdoorwire.com, click on the subscribe button. It's free, and you'll get the latest in your mailbox every Monday through Friday. 
the latest hot product, industry news, features to help you enjoy the outdoors even more, and best of all, there's something you won't be getting. You will not be getting any junk mail. The Outdoor Wire doesn't rent, sell, share, or distribute your information to anyone. It's a promise we've kept for nearly 20 years. So don't worry about giving us a try. We'd love to have you join us. Until next time, I'm Jim Shepard for the Outdoor Wire Weekend Edition.